I'm excited to be serving um, with Sean. He's, um, what I love about Sean is he's calm, much calmer than me a lot of the time, but he's strong and he's also very discerning and wise and so we're, we're glad to have him as the um, chairman of the board. I know Jordan's dying to get up here and preach, up here and preach, and we're dying to hear him preach, aren't we? So, absolutely. So I'll get down now. Just, just a little while. I've got to talk about Ukraine in a minute. So, um, but before I do, um, I began in my position as the interim executive pastor on the 1st of December. So that happened um, just last week. Yeah, that's right. And um, now I've taken over basically the management of the ministry team from Pastor Ben. So um, I, I'm not full-time. I'm doing about three days a week as well as the weekends. Um, now, you need to know I'm not here to, to, to bring about change. I'm not a change maker. I'm here to bring stability in this time of transition. That's my job. That's what I've been asked to do by the Elder Board. And so my job is to shepherd the staff, enable them to flourish in their ministry. And they're a great bunch to work with, and I'm really excited to be among them. And, to, and they've just received me very well, and um, God is doing amazing things through them. And as they manage also the volunteers, you guys out there, to do ministry through this church. So I'm excited about that. A little bit about me. I'm married to Lisa, who's my best friend and my ministry partner for the last 29 years. Uh, we have four adult children. We also have an extra person up there next to my son on your right and that's our um, daughter-in-law Amber. So our four adult children, Braden and Nathan are in Chicago. Nathan who's married to Amber just finished his, um, his um, Bachelor of um, Ministry in Counselling I think at Moody Bible Institute and he's married to Amber and Braden who some of you will know he's on second on the left is um, in, the, in his third year doing his um, Bachelor of Ministry in Biblical Studies. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Now, we have um, Emily and Matthew who are um, here at Subi Church with us and serving here as well. My personal faith story, I was brought up in a Christian family, very thankful to God for that big responsibility. Um, and um, my parents were faithful in, in teaching me the Word of God. I came to faith at the age of about 10, and that's when I got baptised. I'm not going to give you my full history of churches because we'll be here a long time. I'm a lot older than Sean, a little bit older than Sean. Um, but um, I came to faith at the age of 10, and, you know, God's been growing me ever since. Sometimes I grow a little slower. That's when we're not obedient, and when we're obedient, we grow a little faster. But um, I'm thankful for God's uh, growth in my life and his sanctification work, and he's still doing that. We've I've mostly been involved in ministry in local church with my wife. She's also been involved. Um, most recently, we... Um, I'll talk about Super Church in just a minute, but most recently we went to the States and I studied uh, and did a Masters of, um, Masters of Arts in Biblical Studies, a two-year um, Masters degree at Moody Bible Institute as well. Um, all right. Education and work. I finished school, did an applied uh, Bachelor of Applied Science in Medical Laboratory Science. Don't ask me why I did that. God obviously had a plan that I didn't know about. But um, I wanted to get into medicine. There's lots of doctors here, right? I'm glad I didn't. Um, anyway, then I joined the Air Force and uh, flew in the Air Force for the next 11 years. Um, after getting out, I came back home, did some construction work, did some finance work, did some insurance work, and then 
ended up in a um, with a labour hire company construction. Did that for 20 years. That finished up just recently. We had a big court case. Ended up in the high court. We lost eventually, and that was an answer to prayer. Although it was disappointing, and God has used that, and we're thankful for it. Subi Church. We've been here since about 2014. Lisa and I have uh, currently serve on the Connect team. Um, we lead small group ministries and we we'll lead small groups in that ministry and we serve, I serve in the men's ministry. Um, I've also been training for the last 12 months on the elder board and as you heard, I'm now appointed on the elder board as of the November AGM. Now, as far as my current position, um, how did I get here? Well, after the closure of our company, uh, I'd started a small um, maintenance business and... Um, I wasn't looking for a job at Subi, I can guarantee you that. Um, I don't have ambition to be, I didn't have ambition to be on the, the staff here, but um, we feel that maybe God was preparing us for something. Anyway, the elder board did ask us to consider an interim position, and it is an interim position, and um, my wife supported that, and we agreed it was God's timing that he's been preparing us with training, with experience, and availability to take on the role. Now, I'm learning as I go along. And the staff are very patient, which is great. But um, I'm really excited to be there. At the end of the day, I haven't told you this to make you think that I'm great, but it's really a story of God's God at work. And every one of us who know Christ, God is at work. And he is changing us. And he's, he's got a plan for us. And he's using these things in our life to bring us, to, basically to use us for the kingdom. And so at the end of the day, I'm a child of God. And I'm really glad to be here among you and be serving with the staff. I think that's all I need to tell you. If you want to know any more, you can ask me. I'm happy to, to chat and, and um, if you've got questions about things, ministries or anything, you can come and see me anytime. The Ukraine appeal. You, you remember this um, Ukraine appeal 2022 that was out last week? I think there might be some more left over on the, uh, out the back there. Um, it's important to have that because it has the website. I don't think the website's up on the slide, but I can give it to you if you need it. Now, I'm just here to remind you, it's our giving through December. It's our special love offering. And um, this ministry, the, um, the ministry we're given to in Ukraine, it's a Christ-centered ministry. You need to know that. It's through the International Church of Bucharest. Now, we've got a bit of an update. So there's physical needs that they're supplying are generators for the Ukraine. Um, we know why that's the case. And um, also groceries is a um, there's some accommodation for refugees very close to the church in Bucharest so they're buying groceries for those people also medical support uh, medical goods transport costs people traveling in and out of Ukraine needing help also clothing when donations are short blankets dunas all that sort of thing um, they're also supporting a Ukraine um, school so for refugee kids very close to the church and um, things like fuel that's the physical needs. Also, ministry-wise, the refugees, some refugees have become members of the church in Bucharest, and they're sharing with them, also sharing the gospel and giving Russian Bibles. Now, why would they give Russian Bibles to Ukrainians? Nick knows, and some of you may not know, but the, the um, eastern part of Ukraine speaks Russian. So that's where most of the conflict is, and most of those people would be speaking Russian. So Russian Bibles is important. Um, also supporting Ukraine church that started near them and um, they open up the church also for afternoon teas and such for people to come in just to talk, to socialise, to pick up needs and such. A lot of the money that we're giving goes to those sort of needs. So that's the update we've got. 
The link is available on the pamphlet. Make yourself available of that. Now, we've also got a whiteboard out there. We want you, if you've, if you've made a donation, it doesn't matter how much, small or large, if you've made a donation, if you put a sticker up on that whiteboard. And the idea is just to encourage us together that we're giving as God enables us, as God has supplied to us abundantly, when we're able to give generously, we want to encourage each other. And um, it's not to identify people or anything like that. It's just to know that we're giving as a church and the giving is growing. We won't know how much at the end. Okay, you got all that? I'm going to pray now. I want to pray for the Ukraine, um, the Ukraine as a country, but also for this um, giving. And I'm going to pray for Jordan as well as he comes up to preach to us God's word. Father God, we thank you for the fact that you are God over all and Lord you're God not just here but in Ukraine and you see what's happening and it grieves you you allow things like this to happen but it does grieve you but we also know Lord that um, you're using what's happening there to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ and we thank you for it Father we thank you for what you're doing to um, change that country they're thinking more people are thinking more uh, carefully about what's really important about life and death, and about eternity. And Christians are sharing the gospel more faithfully, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the countries around that have been so generous in meeting the needs of Ukrainians, and we pray that it would continue, particularly that your people would reach out with the gospel and with the needs that these people have. And we pray you bless the giving that we give as unto you. Father, we pray also for Jordan now. We thank you for Jordan and his work among us, particularly amongst the youth. Thank you for his family. Thank you, Father, for the studies that he's been doing and his faithfulness to your word. We pray you just bless him and give him a double portion of your spirit as he brings your word in Jesus' name. Come on up. Peter and Sean. All right, is this that's good? This is like an elder's special today with uh, Peter and Sean and Rowan. And I'm almost tempted to get Caleb up here if he was here so I could compare the height difference between... Sean and Caleb, I need to know if it's true now, so maybe another day. It has been said that the preacher's task each week is like that of a man who goes into a distant land, into the land of the scriptures where God's word lives and breathes. And his job while he is there is to get to know the land, it is to become familiar with it, but it is to mine for treasure and to bring that treasure back that he might give it to the people. He's not to be selfish while he is there and go off and chase every little path that, uh, that you know, tweaks his interests. And he's not to be lazy, uh, but he is to work hard that he might have something uh, to present. Uh, the man who thought of this illustration, a Scottish theologian, said this. He said of the man, he should be able to say each week, yes, brothers and sisters, I have been to that land and it is a land of light and peace and nobleness. I never forgot you while I was there, and I have brought back these things to make glad your heart and to purify your life. Now, it is important to point out that there's a curse. The curse is called the young preacher's curse or the Bible college student's curse. And it's real, I'm sure of it. And what it is is that when you come to the text, when you're a young preacher or a Bible college student, everything looks like treasure. And so the temptation is just to get everything and to offload it, but... We can't have 50-point sermons, and so we can't really do that. If you have ever collected shells with a toddler, you know what I mean. You'd say to them, look, just the prettiest shells, just the most beautiful, just the ones that aren't broken. And then sure enough, you start getting these piles of shells. 
and you think, and they're all boring and broken and than this and you have to start throwing them away when they're not looking and collecting the special ones and so in some sense that's the preacher's job but uh, but that is what it's kind of like see to the toddler every shell is beautiful and in some sense all of scripture is beautiful but we can't give it all now for those of you who don't know me my name is Jordan I am the pastor here at Subi and I am still at Bible College but hopefully I've retrieved what I consider to be the richest treasures of the text today the greatest and most beautiful shells. And I think the duty of every preacher every week is that they bring back the pearl of great price, which is Christ, and that they always lift him up and present him. I will now ask you all to stand for the reading of the Word of God. Our reading this morning will be from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 38. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary... A sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it gives us life and joy and breath and all of these good things. We thank you that in your scriptures you have revealed yourself and that we can look at them today and think back to what Christ has done, that he has come to give us comfort and redemption and salvation. Help us, Lord, as we look at your word today, help us to see uh, the greatest treasures and the richness of your love that you have displayed for us in your Son. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I want us to follow the storyline of the text in three stages. This will help us to ponder and reflect on the advent of Christ, on the coming of Christ. 
which is what these Christmas sermons are about. Firstly, I want us to consider the consecration of the Son, the offering of the Son. What is actually taking place here when Jesus is being brought into the temple? The Son is entering into the Father's house for the very first time on earth. This is a big deal. This is very important. And so we should look at it. Secondly, I want us to consider the reception of the Son. How is Christ received in this place? You see, far be it from God that the Son would enter into his Father's house for the very first time and that there would be no reception of him, no words spoken about him, no praise, no joy, and no song. And so I want us to think about the reception of the Son. Who receives him? How is he received and what is said about him? And finally, I want us to consider the fate of the Son. Even here in this text, when Jesus is so young, there is word of his fate. The rising and the falling of many, the exposing of hearts and the piercing of Mary's soul. It is there. And so let us come together and look at some of these treasures that I think are the most beautiful. The consecration of the Son. Exodus 13 Verses 1 to 2, the Lord says to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Now of all the tribes of Israel, the sons of the tribe of Levi would have been dedicated over, they would have been handed over to a life of vocational service, of ministry, of servitude unto God. They were the priestly line. But if you were not of that tribe, which Jesus was not, there would still be the consecration to the Lord, but the parents would redeem the son, so they would purchase him back, so to speak, with five shekels, around $300. So they would still offer up their son. Now, the law required that on the eighth day, the son was to be circumcised, and that is what would have happened with Jesus. Mary and Joseph were law-abiding. It says that they were faithful. And so Jesus would have been circumcised on the eighth day. Now Mary would have remained unclean after that because of the birth for, the, for a further 33 days. And so here when we see this picture of Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus into the temple at Jerusalem, Jesus is likely around six weeks old. And when they arrive at Jerusalem, Mary is still unclean until she offers the ceremonial sacrifices, which is what the text says, two young doves or two birds. Now, normally, a lamb would be offered, but for, the, but for the poorer class, it was accepted, it was enough to just to offer the birds. And so we see that Jesus is born into the poorer class, but I think everybody knows that. And so here we are, Mary and Joseph, offering up the son that God has given them. Now, I want us to pause just for a moment, because I think there is something beautiful here that we should see. We see the son of infinite worth purchased back from God the Father for just a few hundred dollars. And the irony is that they will pay a few hundred dollars to redeem their son, but Jesus will pay with his life to redeem them. It is amazing the generosity of God, the kindness of God that he gives us, his one and only son. And this is for our redemption. And the second part of the story, the reception of the son... Now, as I said before, far be it from God that his one and only son would enter into his temple and that he would not be received. But he is received. He is received by two main figures, by Simeon 
and Anna, two prophets. Of Simeon, the text says, verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And of Anna, the text says that she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So who is it that receives the son? Is it priests? Is it kings? Is it queens? Is it the young? Is it the strong? No. Simeon and Anna are both old. The text implies that Simeon was waiting to die. And of Anna, it just says outright that she was very old. But why tell us that? Why does the text say that? And we're going to step out of the text just for a moment. Step out of the story just for a moment. This is Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 1, we're already introduced to two people who are old. Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. They are also righteous and devout. Elizabeth is so old that she cannot even bear children naturally. And so John the Baptist is a miracle child. And so in between these four old, devout, righteous figures, you have a young couple, Mary and Joseph, and a young son. Now John the Baptist is bound up to the Old Covenant, to the Old Testament. And Jesus is something new. And I think this is giving us a picture of the old embracing the new. The old is passing away, and the new bud is starting to flower. You see, they represent the Old Testament faithful, the Old Covenant remnant, embracing the new. Jesus says, if you love the Father, you would love the Son. Simeon and Anna love the Father, and so they embrace the Son. Isaiah 42 says this. It's God talking about Christ in the servant songs. He says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The text is about Christ. He is the new thing. He ushers in the new age, the new era, the new covenant. What a beautiful picture of the old embracing the new. So you have Mary and Joseph, the young couple, going up in the temple to present Jesus to the Father who has given them the Son. They are there to redeem him and he is welcomed by the Old Testament remnant, by the Old Testament faithful to say, look, in this place, in God's house, here he is and we receive him, we love him, we adore him. In fact, we've been waiting for him. What a beautiful shell. What a great treasure. There is one other feature I want us to consider about Simeon and Anna before we move on to our final point. And that is that their love for God and their faithfulness to him mean, means that they are filled with longing, with waiting, with anticipation. For Simeon, it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And Anna spoke to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. This is a marker of the Old Testament faithful. And it continues to be a marker for us, doesn't it? Let me show you. Hebrews 9. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but what? 
but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The challenge then for my heart and for yours is, are we waiting for him? Are we longing for him? As you think about Christmas, this Advent, this coming, do you look forward and do you long for his return? Do you live your life in light of that, in light of who he is and what he has done? Simeon and Anna were, and Christ taught us to be, didn't he? Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. We long for the day when it is here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us to pray, to long, to wait, to yearn for his return. And Anna and Simeon believed this. Let me read Simeon's song. Verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. See, they receive him because of who he is and what he is going to do. And it is here that we get a glimpse, we start to get a glimpse of the fate of the Son. Now in our final part of the story, as we come to understand the fate of the Son... There are three titles given to Jesus in this text. Three, just three. Simeon is waiting for consolation, for comfort. He declares Christ to be salvation and Anna is longing for redemption. So Jesus in this text is seen as the comforter, the redeemer and the saviour. They're the three texts. They're the three titles that are given over to Jesus. And Simeon and Anna know this because they're looking out for it. They've been waiting. They've been watching. They are the watchmen of the Old Testament, the ones looking for the Lord's Messiah. But why are they looking for these things? I think that's an important question to ask of the text. Why? Have they wasted their life? Why are they looking for consolation, redemption and salvation? Why? You see, they are looking forward because they are looking back. What do I mean by that? They can look back into their past to events like the exodus out of Egypt, and they see God's salvation, his redemption, and his comfort. And so they see it. They know that God is faithful. Then the exile would come, people would sin, and they'd be cast out, and God would bring them back. And once again, he would save them, redeem them, and comfort them. And the Lord said, the next time I return, no one will ever snatch you away from me. You'll permanently be with me. And so they longed for that. They clung to the promises of God. But the next time that things come to pass, they will be permanent. They looked back and they saw the evidence of God's faithfulness and they clung to his word. What were Simeon and Anna clearly holding on to? Let's have a look. I think just one verse that's definitely in view in this text. Isaiah 52. Verses 6. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you, listen your watchmen lift up their voices. Who are the watchmen? Simeon and Anna, aren't they? Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. He is God incarnate. They will see it with their own eyes. My eyes have seen your salvation. 
Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has what? Comforted his people. There's the consolation. He has redeemed Jerusalem. There's Anna's longing for redemption. Here it all is. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. We see it today, 2,000 years later, in this little pocket of the world. We see it. The word of God will not fail. All that has been promised will come to pass. The grass withers and the flowers will fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Do you cling to the promises of God in your life? This is a challenge for me as well. Do we cling to the promises of God in our life? Now let us enter into the story a little deeper. For this last bit, put yourself into Simeon's shoes, into Mary's shoes. You see, Simeon knew exactly what he saw when he saw Christ, when he saw this baby. He knew that he was looking into the face of the Son of Promise, of the Lord's Messiah. He saw glory. Now, the Lord's Messiah is loaded with all of the Old Testament weight that comes in behind it. It is rich. It would take us months to explore it. Jesus says, you search the scriptures diligently because in them you think you have eternal life. But those scriptures testify to me. They are about Jesus. And I think Simeon knew that as he held that little babe, six-week-old baby Jesus, and he looked into his face. Simeon knew what he saw. The Lamb of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the suffering servant, the new Adam the Lion of Judah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Great High Priest, the Good Shepherd, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, King of the Jews, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Emmanuel, God with us, the greatest gift from the most generous God. Now that is a treasure. It is no wonder that the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Jesus, our consolation, redemption and salvation. Consolation, what is it to console? But for him to be our comforter, to tend our hurts. In Isaiah's day, it was the grief that the people were in exile, that they were not with their God because of their sin. But that is where we all are outside of Christ, in exile. There is nothing good in that place. There really, truly isn't. It is a place of hopelessness and grief and longing and empty pursuits. Are you in that place? Are you outside of Christ? Are you still in exile? The comfort that Christ brings is that he brings us out of that place. And he leads us home. He suffers with us and for us. He shepherds us. Pastor Ben's last sermon, the Lord is our shepherd. He is our good shepherd. And there is no place where his sheep can go where he cannot reach them. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, the good shepherd will meet his sheep where they're at. I cannot meet everybody there. I cannot meet you there. I cannot walk in that path, but he can meet you there. Because he has met me there and he will gently minister to you through his word. And that is because Christ truly is the comforter. Redemption. What is redemption but to pay the price that is owed? The wages of sin is death. 
For the gift of life, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He has purchased us with his blood to make us one with the Father and one with himself. He was the only one able to pay that price. And salvation, saviour. He came to save us and to clothe us, to cover our sin and our shame. And we will taste the fullness of that salvation when we stand before God and we are clothed in Christ. For he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Even as a boy, Jesus lived in the shadow of his death. See? And even here we get a glimpse of the fate of the son. Simeon says to Mary, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You see, how we respond to Jesus exposes your heart. He is the great scan in that sense. There is no neutrality with Christ. Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. And finally, Simeon says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your soul too. And I think here we get a glimpse of the ultimate fate of the son, don't we? A sword will pierce your soul too. I can imagine Mary leaving the temple that day and saying to her husband Joseph, I wonder what he meant when he said that a sword will pierce my soul. I wonder what he meant. And then I can cast my mind's eye onto that great day when Mary sits weeping at the foot of the cross, remembering that little boy that she once held in her arms, that she loved, that she clothed, that she cared for, that she nurtured, that she raised. She'll remember the words of Simeon. She'll remember the angels singing songs of joy at his birth. And then she looks up the boy now man and she looks up at her son on that cross and she sees him broken and bruised and bleeding and wounded. The only one who deserved comfort received none of it so that we might be comforted. The only one who deserved redemption was left on that cross that he might redeem us. The one who had the authority to call down angel armies for his salvation was instead utterly forsaken that he might be our salvation for us and the sword that pierced Mary's soul does that pierce yours and mine today are we grieved and thankful for what our saviour did for us do we think about it do we think about it daily and weekly in our lives does it actually affect the way that we live Can you look back at the Christmas event just as Simeon and Anna looked back and long for the day that Christ returns? All of these things we have now, we truly do. Salvation, comfort and redemption. But we don't experience them in full. And so we long for the day when what has been inaugurated will be consummated. What has begun will be made complete. And we will know and see in full. And so can you look back just as Anna and Simeon did and see the faithfulness and the love of God displayed in Christ, in what he has done. And then cast your mind forward to that great day and live in light of that. Live in wait and longing and hope. Do you know the Christ of his first coming? If you don't, I tell you, on this day, today, tonight, you can leave here and have comfort 
and redemption and salvation. You can. All it is is free for those who receive it. You just embrace Jesus just as Simeon and Anna did. With faith and rejoicing. And if you do claim to know the Christ of his first coming, do you wait and long for his return? And is this evident in your life? I will close with this quote by Christopher Ashe. The more deeply we understand Christ in his first advent, the more passionately we will long for his return. Where just like Simeon, we shall see him face to face. And the more joyfully we will celebrate his arrival at the very first Christmas. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, you are an incredibly good God. And you have given us the greatest gifts, the greatest treasure, the greatest present. We thank you, Lord, that Christ is our comfort, our salvation, and our Redeemer. We pray, Lord, that as we draw near to Christmas, that you give us courage to tell people about him, to talk to our family about him, the gift that he is, the joy that he brings, what he has accomplished, that we might live in light of the hope that we have in him. We thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace to us here at Subi Church. Please be with us as we go into the Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.